What's up, Guam? Welcome to Chamber BizBox, the podcast all about our private sector, the issues and successes we face as a business community, and interesting tidbits about the entrepreneurs and leaders that make a difference to ensure that our private sector continues to grow and flourish. My name is Catherine Castro, your host for the Chamber BizBox. We have something a little bit different on this episode that we wanted to bring awareness to. The drug issues that plague our nation do not exempt our piece of paradise. We read in the news every day about how crime and drugs impact our community. We've invited folks from the Drug Enforcement Administration to share some insight with us about the drug issues that face our island. Day and good morning. Thank you for joining us today. We're really excited to have the, um, the DEA agents with us. Uh, we have Kenneth Bowman, who is the resident agent in charge, and Jeffrey Knight, who is a special agent. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right. So, well, you know, the main reason why we're, you know, we, we have our guests here today is because we're really, really concerned about crime on Guam. And when we talked to uh, the uh, Guam Police Department early on uh, a couple of weeks ago, they mentioned that you know really the underlying problem with the crime, petty crime, and then like just some of the really gross crime that we've been seeing lately the past couple of years is really related to the drug problem that we're having, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I and I remember that Captain Kim called it. It's not even a pro. It's not a, even a problem. It's an epidemic. Right. Would you, you know, as DEA agents, you know, you've been around the nation, would you call what we have an epidemic? I would say that meth on Guam is ep- at almost epidemic proportions, yes. It's out mm-hmm. of control. Mm-hmm. It's, wow. it's everywhere. Right, right. And we, we were also talking, uh, you mentioned that the price of a gram of methamphetamine a couple of years ago was, uh, you know, pretty much out of reach, maybe, or... I don't know if it was out of reach. Mm-hmm. When I left in 2010, it was almost $700 a gram. Okay. When I came back in 2020, it's down to 100, $150, $160 a gram. What's, that tells you there's a, a whole lot more meth available right. than there should be. Right. It's everywhere. And, and how, you know, I mean, it's everywhere, right? So it, it, there's no discrimination. No. It's with professionals. It's with students. It could be anybody. It's with the homeless. I mean, I've seen uh, people that are panhandling that are obviously high on something, mm-hmm. right? And uh, right. like it, it, it begs them at, you know, like you, you question, how do they even get it? That that's a good point. <clears throat> Where do they get the money? And it always perplexed me, even prior to well, my first time here. How does such a small island have so much money to spend on drugs? But they do, because mm-hmm. it's here. Yeah. It, the, the amounts of money we seize. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go into details, but it's it's unbelievable the amount of money we have seized in the two years I've been back. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, unreal. One of the things that I, I it kind of it tickles my mind a little bit because, you know, the chamber is involved in the juvenile drug court uh, mm-hmm. program with uh, in partnership with the judiciary of Guam, and some of the things that we've heard throughout the years has just blown my mind, uh, in reference to particularly with um, the um, the Schedule Two drugs. Um, so some families will trade their family members for things, mm-hmm. uh, sexual things, in favor to get drugs. And so um, is this still prevalent? Is this something that, you know, I mean, I mean, it's awful. I mean, it's, it's just, just incomprehensible, but... <laughs> but it does happen. 
It, yeah, I don't know. I would say, I don't know, I can't say whether it's prevalent or not, but it, do, it definitely does happen. There's instances where we've had boyfriends and girlfriends and trading each other for, hey, you know, she'll mm-hmm. take care of you and uh, mm-hmm. give me a couple grams. So that might be, you know, I'm not sure if that is something because we we wonder how do how do people get their hands on it? Right. Is that, you know, it may be maybe it's not cash, but it's other favors. The barter system does exist, but I think 90, I'd say 95 percent of it's cash based. Okay. Yeah. All right. Stolen stolen property is Is, probably the second. Mm -hmm. We've arrested quite a few people. Correct me if I'm wrong. Stolen property. You open a container on their property. It's filled with bush cutters, lawnmowers. We can leaf blowers, car parts, tires, because people will trade that for meth if they can't come up with the cash. Oh my God. Which, where do they get it? They, mm-hmm. they steal it. They start, you know, paroling the, or perusing the neighborhood to exactly. say, oh, who's got stuff outside? Mm-hmm. And then they wait till it's dark and they go in and, and steal it and mm-hmm. go turn that Some of them go during the daytime. Like yeah, we saw this video from GPD recently. This guy was taking parts off a guy's car in broad daylight in his carport, and the guy came home and caught him. Broad That's daylight. insane. That's insane. So, you know, uh, one of the things that, um, you know, uh, as uh, in, in the private sector, right, and, and I guess even, too, in the government, right, we, we, we employ people, and um, we, there's some concern about drugs in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, some companies have, um, you know, sporadic uh, drug testing. Um, it, what, what would you say are some of the symptoms that, employers and employees should look for in, um, you know, if somebody is under the influence? Meth-wise? Because that's the biggest drug here. Sure. One of the biggest ones is the unlimited energy. If they come in and their pupils are dilated and they are energetic nonstop, can't sit still is a big one. Because they can't hold their hands in their lap. You know, like normal people would talk. You hold your coffee cup in one hand. They can't do that. When they're high, they're incapable of doing that because their body is physically not able to just stop. And they'll keep going and going and going. Also, you'll notice the teeth get bad. They have very bad breath. The hair falls out. They don't eat. And their their schedule is showing up. Some days they'll show up. Some days they won't or be last second that they'll get a phone call. Um, Or they don't call you at all. Or they don't call you at all. Because when they crash after a two Mm -hmm. or three day run on a meth high, they crash completely to the point where we've actually done search warrants and arrest warrants. We can't wake them up. Huh. Physically cannot wake them up. They won't. They won't. Mm-hmm. We just drag them out because mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't do anything with them mm-hmm. until they come off that high. If you have employees that are doing that consistently, that's a, that's a pretty good sign that something sure. is amiss. Right. right. Yeah. Never mind the drug paraphernalia. You'll see little tiny glassine, we call glassine baggies, or tiny Ziploc baggies that you use to store stamps, basically the size of that. Right. You ever seen those? You know what we're talking about? It's a tiny, tiny little Ziploc style bag. It's about this big. Something you'd see. Uh, jewelers use it. Yeah, for, jewelers. Oh, yes. Okay. It's yeah. a ring in there. Yes. Basically, yeah. you could that's put a, a stamp inside there. That's right. how big it is. Right. A regular postage stamp. Um, you'll see those hanging around with mm-hmm. like a, a white powdery crystal-like residue on it, mm-hmm. uh, glass pipes that are around, aluminum foil. Uh, like and that. lighters. Lighters, yeah, a lot of lighters. Butane lighters or lighters, a lot of lighters. Like someone who doesn't smoke mm-hmm. has three or four lighters in their car. Why would you have three or four lighters? I don't even have three or four lighters in my car and I don't smoke. Yeah. That's kind of odd. Right. That's that's a, that's a big clue. Yeah. Or butane yeah. light. For whatever reason, they love the, you know, the... The bigger lighters that you press and it shoots the flame out. Yeah. They love those. That's prevalent with a lot of smokers. That is interesting. <clears throat> so if you see that, that's a big clue too. That is really interesting. So uh, Guam ha- 
has um, a, a major methamphetamine problem, any types of other drugs, cocaine, um, uh, heroin, LSD. There, there is a sample of, of, of all that basically here. I mean, Guam primarily is mostly number one marijuana, number two would be your meth, and then all the trickle down from there. The, the military, they, they have, they bring, it's, you know, it's a sample of American society. You've got the, the backcountry boys to the inner city boys to the rich to the poor that join the military. So you get a sample of American society deposited here on Guam for as they're transient through some you know slip through the cracks and they bring the bad habits with them so they get a little bit of that coming in so you see a lot of the unpopular drugs here being still consumed here uh, you know attributed to that travel in uh, career fields that just come in temporarily and they leave Guam they again they bring in a lot of the bad habits with them mm -hmm. um, so yes there's a little bit of everything from LSD to your mushrooms to you know, all your other psychedelics and your depressants and stimulants that mm -hmm. come in with it. So what is the, uh, the role, the main role of DEA um, for places like Guam? We're trying to interdict the incoming drugs. Okay. We don't necessarily target the user base. That's not our focus here. Our focus here is to try and figure out where is it coming from and how to stop that. And because it doesn't fight. come here. And bring I'm, the fight I'm, to them. Yeah, because it's not, it's not made here. There's, there's no domestic labs. You're not going to see that. It's so much cheaper for someone to actually just, <clears throat> excuse me, buy a product from Mexico than to try to produce it themselves. Last time I was here, we did have labs here. Mm -hmm. And then when they put the new laws in about trying to buy pseudofedrin, et cetera, yeah. that killed the home labs, destroyed it, mm -hmm. at least on Guam. Mm -hmm. And the quality. I mean, yeah. The, the Mexican uh, quality is like 90% pure. Right. The home labs, you're going to get a 70%. Purity uh, rate. Purity rate, whereas right. the, the stuff coming in from Mexico is 90 plus. Yep. Oh and God. it's cheaper. And cheaper. And you didn't just risk blowing up your house by making it. So they're just going to keep buying that, mm -hmm. which is why we're trying to stem the flow. And it's hard for us, again, because we are so short on manpower, mm -hmm. but we're doing the best we can. And we do interdict quite a bit, mm -hmm. but that just tells you what, that there's more. Mm -hmm. What would you uh, say, you know, to the community, right? Um, in reference to, I mean, you know, we're part of, again, we're part of a, a program and a partnership with the mm -hmm. judiciary, right? And um, the, uh, specifically with the juvenile drug court. And initially, uh, when, when it first w was uh, stood up in, 20, in 2002 and 2003, the idea, and you know what I would always tell people is, I want to put you guys out of the job. I want to put probation, you right. know, youth probation out of a job. But that is not happening, mm -mm. and 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 um said and and you know this the problem is getting worse. Mm -hmm. So you know how you know as a community, how how do we address that? How do we, you know, how do we protect our family and our children? It has to start at home. Mm -hmm. People have to pull their head out of the sand, I guess you'd say, and say, look, I think my kid's doing this. I don't like it. I'm embarrassed by it. Culturally, I know it's loss of face, but if you don't address it, it's not going away. Because Junior, he or she cannot fix the problem themselves. It's not possible. Once they get hooked, they're done. Mm -hmm. You have to get them help because they don't want to help themselves. They want to chase the dragon, chase the dragon, chase the dragon. Right. Actually, that's a heroin thing, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but they want to chase the high. They just want to chase the high, chase the high. Mm -hmm. Don't be embarrassed. Admit it. Get them help. 
because once you get them off of it, they will be grateful to you because they don't want to do it per se. If you talk to someone like he was explaining earlier, it's that constant need to get that high, but they actually don't want to do it, but they have to. They're now at the point where they're physically incapable of saying no. And if you see the behavioral patterns we've explained, or you see something going on, one of your siblings, relatives, son, daughter, wife, husband, doesn't matter what it is, mm -hmm. your parents, you need to address that. You can't ignore it, because I, I know the old cliche, what is it? If you ignore something long enough, it goes away. Well, no, it doesn't. Mm -mm. It just gets worse. That's right. Yeah. We try to tell people that when they're doing paperwork on our job. You can't keep ignoring the reports. you got to do them, because yeah. it doesn't go away. It will progressively get worse as time goes on because they're just going to keep doing it more and more and more. And you'll see they'll start stealing stuff from their own family. Money will disappear. The TV will disappear. The computer will disappear. One day the car's gone. Yeah. Where's my car? Mm -hmm. I don't know. They sold it. That's how things work. And pretending it doesn't exist, that's not going to help anybody. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly not going to help the individual who's involved with it. The only way to help them is with somebody else helping them. Because again, they reach the point, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't want to help themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's that physiological yes, change. correct, that oh. he was discussing. The brain kind of remaps itself. Right. They mm -hmm. get to the point where they can't say no. Mm -hmm. It's like if you like bacon, I love bacon. If I see bacon, I'm gonna eat it. Mm -hmm. That's a silly analogy, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Can I stop? Yeah, of course I can stop. I'm not addicted to bacon, I just like it. It's a different story with the meth. They are addicted brain-wise where they cannot say no. Mm -hmm. They don't have the ability. And the, what's very interesting about methamphetamine, um, what we've learned is that you just take it that one time. You oh, know, you're, you're on. Right? And yep. so other drugs, you know, you could, you know, okay, I'll just try it once and I'll be cool, right? But you can't, 90% of the people that uh, try methamphetamine at least once Correct. are already addicted. They take one hit, they're done. It's that powerful. And that should be enough to scare people from not you would even think, trying it. But it doesn't. Yeah. I think somebody hit on it there. I don't know if it was Jeff or whatnot during the lecture, the pandemic. That did not help. When you've got everybody sitting at home bored, what do they do? They find something to entertain themselves, which is what? Video games, alcohol, drugs, mm -hmm. TV or whatever. I mean, there's other sure. items. Mm -hmm. But that became a bigger problem because of that. Yeah. And some escape uh, from the, the pressures of society. Right. Mm -hmm. And the boredom. The, the problems that they're facing Mm -hmm. Being out of work, not being able to get the income for meeting all the bills, exactly, such, or just the, the pressure of, you know, the isolation, right? That, uh, Which was huge. Yes. And you'll see a spike in people having kids too, for the same reason why, because right. they're bored, they're stuck at home. Yeah. But the drug use became much worse because of that, and we we saw that not obviously just just out in Guam. That's everywhere. That's, that's right. nationwide. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually worldwide. If I'm wrong, no, I would think that's worldwide. It became a much bigger problem. And what's funny is even during the pandemic, everyone stays home. The drug dealers don't. They still go out and sell their stuff. Yeah. And it's like they're not locked in. So they don't care if they have to break curfew, quarantine, whatever. They don't care. Mm -hmm. It's all about money. Mm -hmm. And actually some drug dealers actually took advantage of that. Going out and taking their money and trying to offer assistance to other families, offer food and yep. everything else. and To look like the Robin Hood. Exactly. To play the Robin Hood thing. We, we see that even here on, on Guam. Some yep. prominent drug dealers are donating TVs and everything mm -hmm. else to charity runs and, and stuff like that. that and then is, people won't help us right? because they're like, well, they gave us something. What did you give us? Right. That's how it works. So they're perceived as a you know an unsung hero, basically, Correct. In, in the community. Yep. And that's that's a big deal here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's big. Yes. Um, you know, um, I guess 
what we need to do as a community is number one um, help those that you know are in trouble mm-hmm. and continue and, and probably be even more proactive in reference to education yes, yes. Right. Absolutely. And so, um, I'm a big believer in rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. I think we need to give them a chance. Of course. Punishing and jailing the users is not the end all. No. That is not going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. We need to punish the people bringing it in mm-hmm. and selling it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Yes. Does that excuse the people using it? No. They shouldn't be doing that either. But I don't think, because some areas we don't, but some areas will target the users. Well, what does that do? It just brings a whole new group of users in. That's not the problem. That's not solve the problem. Mm. Wow. And, uh, and using drugs is that a symptom of the problem, or is that actually the problem itself? Exactly. Some would say it's a symptom. And what's that symptom of? What mm-hmm. are the pressures in society right. putting on the population that causes them to right. seek the drugs to sure. escape from sure. their reality? You're going to see an uptick in drug usage also now because of the poor shape of the economy. Yeah. You're going to see it. Mm-hmm. People have less money to spend, so when they do have any money, instead of buying groceries, they're going to go buy dough. That's horrible. Yes. They don't even eat. But it's going to happen because, again, the societal pressures are pushing on them. Like, I need an escape. Some people drink alcohol. Some people smoke a cigarette. These people want that because it's a much more intense escape method where they can literally go live in another fantasy world for hours at a time and not worry about the consequences and what's going on in the real world. But those consequences always come back. Mm-hmm. You can't ignore them. Right. But they try. So, you know, speaking of consequences, right, when... When um, folks are picked up uh, for the drug use, mm. um, families left behind, and more often than not, there are children oh, that are involved. And we have seen a huge um, uh, population growth in the foster care system. And, um, you know, here on Guam, we've got extended family that will step up and take care of kids. Uh, but, you know, that is really something that is a, a huge concern uh, for everybody that is involved, mm-hmm. right? And and for our population, right, and our culture is we want to help everybody. We want to try to help everybody. And right. so I think the last resort is when, and, and it's really, really sad as, as that is when, um, you know, people can't change or won't change or can't get the help. And then families just are just like, man, I, I can't help you anymore. Yeah, they kick them out and they're right. moving on the street. Right, exactly. I've so. seen them buy them when we tickets to somewhere in the States. Mm. Go go live with your auntie or whoever. Mm. I, I don't want you here. Mm. That doesn't help. No. Or the other way around. People pack their families up and gone to the States exactly. because they're tired of the families, the certain segments of the family constantly... Causing the issues. Causing issues, yeah. constantly hounding for money and everything mm-hmm. else. They're like, you know what, we'll just go get a state our job in the state side and move over there mm-hmm. which now that affects Guam because you lose that it's a brain drain power yes, right? of course. and that experience and expertise in whatever they were their career field was right exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said the Guam community familiar wise it's more difficult because it does impact everyone here we are so small mm-hmm. you cannot avoid this problem it's, I don't care if it's from the governor on down you can't avoid it right Every time you drive down Route 1, the back road to Anderson, whatever, you're going to see something you don't want to see. Yeah. We're out literally at lunch at GPO or wherever. I see a hand-to-hand deal in the parking lot. Oh, my God. They're doing a drug deal right in front of them. They don't know who we are, of course. Yes, yeah. But that's not the point. It's broad daylight, just doing a hand-to-hand, drive away. That's got to stop. Mm-hmm. We, need to put, we need to do something about that. We're trying, but again, because of our manpower issues and the... 
the lack of people who are really interested in combating this problem mm -hmm. community-wise, mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. Because I know a lot of people, they see us, they go, oh, these white guys are just here temporarily, they're going to leave, they don't care. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Mm -hmm. That's not true at all. We do care or we wouldn't be here. Right. Of course. This is a place we ask to come to. We're not forced mm -hmm. to come here. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this is my second time here. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure we do what we can before they kick me out. Because in two years, they're going to force me to retire. Mm -hmm. So we have to do what we can. He's a young man. He's got to go to 10. <laughs> no, he does. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think as a community, we, you know, I agree with you. We do need to step up and we yes. do need to work together and see what we can do to combat this epidemic. And, um, and I just, I'm so thankful that, you know, you had a few minutes to spend with us to give us an idea of what the situation is, mm -hmm. what some, some of the symptoms are, and maybe how we can uh, work together to combat that. So thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah. We truly appreciate your time and sharing your knowledge. We definitely want to continue this dialogue to help make our home a safe place for everyone. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in and listening to today's show. We encourage you to drop us a note to share your comments on this episode or visit our website or social media platforms. We'd really appreciate your feedback. If you haven't already heard it, we also have another podcast called the Chamber Member Spotlight, which features a small business member in each episode. These episodes feature inspirational stories and fun tidbits about doing business in Guam. They are currently available on YouTube and Spotify, so give it a listen. We look forward to having you back on the Chamber Biz Box again very soon. This is your host, Catherine Castro. Until next time, take good care and make it a great day, Guam.